0: Open it up to John chapter 6, verses 22 through 35, so that you can see for yourself. And as we begin, let's pray. We just sang, no guilt in life, no fear in death. And yet, none of us never feel guilty. And none of us are never afraid of death. You have done amazing things for us, Father, so that our guilt is gone and everything we have to fear in death is gone. But we need your help to believe. I pray that this morning you would help us to believe. Jesus, you are the bread of life. Help us to feed on you this morning. Thank you that you have purchased the Holy Spirit so that we are not left alone. We have your word. You tell us who you are. As we read it, by the Spirit, would you help us to see what's truly there and trust you through it? Thank you. That's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Chapter 6 of John starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000. We did that two weeks ago. So verses 1 through 15 Jesus feeds, it's actually over 5,000. There are 5,000 men, so including women and children, there are thousands of people. And with five little loaves, barley loaves, and two fish, Jesus feeds them all. And the text told us they were full. It wasn't like they got little scraps. They got enough to be full. Then, without anybody knowing it, Jesus walks across the lake. Only does the disciples know. He gets into the boat with them and now he's on the other side of the lake. So this happened at night. So one day he's on one side feeding the 5,000. At night, he walks across the water, gets in the boat with the disciples and now it's the next day and he's on the other side. Now you'll remember when he fed the 5,000, the crowd is so excited, they're ready to make him king. They're gonna make him king by force. That's what verse 15 told us. They're really excited about this guy. The next day, they can't find him. So he withdrew from the crowds. They're going to make him king. The next day, they're like, where is this guy? He just fed us all. We're going to make him king. Where'd he go? And they can't find him. So they search and they search and they search. Eventually, some people get into boats and they find him on the other side in Capernaum. So that's verses 22 through 24. That's what's happening. They're just searching for Jesus. They wanted to make him king, but now he's disappeared after feeding them bread. And a conversation starts. So Jesus is going to have a conversation with these people who found him in Capernaum about bread. About bread. And there are three things that Jesus is going to tell this crowd first, he's going to challenge their priorities. He's going to challenge their priorities. They want Jesus to feed them physical food. And Jesus is going to tell them, you've got much bigger needs that you need for me to fill. So he's going to challenge their priorities. And then he's going to tell them what they need to do in order to receive the food that lasts. That's the second thing we're going to see as we work through the text. And the third thing we're going to see that Jesus is going to tell them He's going to tell them what the food is. So he's going to tell them how to receive it. That's the second point. And then finally, he's going to tell them what the food is that lasts. So let's work through the passage the way that Jesus does. Let's look at how he challenges them first. He confronts their priorities. He has a problem with their priorities. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now notice, Jesus doesn't answer their question. They're basically saying, when slash how did you get here? You were on the other side last night. We know that you you had one boat with the disciples and they left without you. But he doesn't answer their question. Instead, he points out to them the reason they even care whether he's on this side or that side. He's saying, why do you care? Verse 26, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, in this book, the book of John, the word sign refers to a miracle that Jesus does that points us to a deeper understanding of who he is. That's what signs do. They point to something else. And in this book, when it uses the word sign, it's talking about a miracle Jesus did that's supposed to point us to understand something deeper about who he is. So Jesus is telling them in verse 26, you saw the miracle. You you all saw that I fed thousands of people with five little loaves and two fish, but you didn't see the sign. You did not see the deeper knowledge of me that the miracle was supposed to point you to. You missed it. The miracle was supposed to be a big flashing neon sign, arrow pointing to Jesus, flashing, saying, This is your provider, this guy. Listen to him. But the people didn't see the sign. They simply stuffed their faces and wanted more. They like Jesus, not because they see through the miracle to how precious he is. They like Jesus because they like having full stomachs. And Jesus confronts them. They're blind. They're blind. Their priorities are totally upside down. Look at verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, when Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, He doesn't mean don't have a job, earn a living so that you can buy food. Jesus commends work. He commands that his followers work and earn their living. So that's not what he means when he says don't work for the food that perishes. What does he mean? He means don't make the purpose of your life simply to get things that don't last. That kind of life is a waste. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, don't just invest in stuff that disappears really quickly. You can invest your life in things that go on and on and on and on. Yes, you can give your life to things that last for 70 years, but you should give your life to things that last for 70,000 years. And on and on and on. That's what Jesus is saying. Think about your relationship with God. What are you wanting Him for? Is it for food that perishes? A good retirement plan? Oh, Jesus, I'm really hanging on to you right now so that I can get enough money while I'm working here to send home so I can build a house in my home country. Or Jesus, I'm hanging on real tight right now so that you can give me a spouse, a good spouse, not a bad one, a good one, and a happy family or better health. That's all food that perishes. None of it lasts. Jesus does care about those things. Luke prayed that before. He really does care. But if what you're wanting Jesus for are those things only or mostly, you should want more. You should want more. You should want him for much greater things than the things that can perish with this world. And guess what? He can give them to you. This book is regularly reminding us you can seek Jesus and be just as worldly and unbelieving as any pagan who rejects Christianity. This is your reminder. This is it. You don't need any spiritual life to seek Jesus for food, for money, for success, for health. You don't need to love Jesus or treasure him to try to get success from him. Using Jesus to get stuff doesn't make you a Christian. You hear that? Jesus knows that this crowd, the crowd that wants to make him king, is following him because they love free food. That's why they're following him. That's why a lot of people follow Jesus. They want a free meal, a healthy child, a big bank account, And Jesus has a problem with that. Not that he doesn't care for those things. He cares for your kid. He cares for your finances. He does care for your health. But he doesn't want you to miss what's truly precious about him. Verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but instead for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give to you. Jesus wants us to see that we need a kind of food that lasts forever. We have greater needs than the needs of our stomachs, the needs of our bodies. We have needs that are eternal. You've got problems. You've got everlasting problems. All of you do. I do. Everlasting problems you have a soul that's separated from God because of sin. That's an everlasting problem. If it's not fixed, you will be condemned to everlasting hell cut off from God. Comparatively, where you get your next meal is a much smaller issue than your soul's relationship with God. So Jesus is saying, Don't live your life simply trying to fill earthly needs and earthly cravings. That's what everyone does. Everyone's trying to get a better high from lust or to have enough money to feel safe or important, trying to get healthy or be physically attractive. Everyone's trying to do that. There's more to live for. Jesus is saying, live for what's eternal. Seek things that last. Want that kind of food. Food that lasts forever. And that's what Jesus wants to give to you. He wants to give you food that lasts. Do you want it? Do you want food that lasts? Spiritual food that nourishes your soul, that makes you live for what matters? That's what Jesus has come to bring food that lasts, which raises a question, how do you get it? How do you get that kind of food? And that's where the conversation is going to move now. How do you receive food that lasts? In verse 27, Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And the people reply in verse 28, what must we do? to be doing the works of God. So so here's what's going on. Jesus has said to them, don't work for food that perishes, work for food that lasts. And the people say, okay, what kind of work? What kind of work do we need to do then to receive eternal food from God? They think they can do some work in order to receive everlasting food and eternal life. This is how all other religions operate. All other religions besides Christianity, this is how they operate. You do something that God requires for eternal life. There's some number of good deeds that you need to perform, some great religious journey that you need to go on. Whatever it is, you do it. You meet God's requirements, and then he gives you eternal life. And so these people are saying, okay, what is it, Jesus? Do we need to give a lot of money? You want us to travel to Mount Sinai and climb up to the top? Do we need to keep the Ten Commandments as best as we can? What is it? What works do we need to do in order to get this everlasting bread? Let's do this. We're ready. That's what they're saying. And Jesus' answer is radical. It's revolutionary. Jesus' answer is the difference. It's one of the differences, one of the major differences between Christianity and every other form of religion. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you believe Not climb a mountain, not go on a religious pilgrimage, not give lots of money, not live a decently good life. That's not how you get everlasting food. You get it by believing in Jesus. If you want eternal food from God, listen, you will not get it by trying to do more good than bad. You won't get it that way. You won't get eternal life because you buy it with your good deeds. You won't get eternal life because you accomplish some amazing spiritual feat. That's not how you get it. Simply by trusting him. That's how you receive food that lasts. By trusting Jesus, you receive eternal life. What makes Christianity so radical is that all of the accomplishments, all of the works that need to be done in order for us to be saved are done by Jesus. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. In Christianity, all the requirements... All the accomplishments, all the works that need to be done in order for us to be saved are done by Jesus. His accomplishment is placed in our account when we believe in him. Our sins are washed away by his blood and his righteous life. His righteous life is counted to us by believing. So ask yourself, how do I get everlasting food? How do I get it? I'm personalizing it here right now. How do I get everlasting food? How can I have eternal life? Only and simply by believing in Jesus. He accomplished what you needed to be saved, and now all you do is receive it by trusting. And do you see how free this is? You see just how radically free this is. It's free. They want to know, what work do we need to do? We can do it. And Jesus is saying, "No, no, no. Believe in me. It's free. You can do that in your chair. You can do that in the middle of the night, on your bed. You receive salvation, an infinitely valuable gift, because Jesus earned it, and you get it by believing. What a gracious God we have. Verse 27 tells us that Jesus, he's the son of man, he'll give you the food that endures to eternal life. So he's the one giving the food, but he also is the food. That's the third thing we see In our text, he doesn't just give everlasting food to our souls. He is the food for our souls. So let's keep going at verse 30. They said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Time out. He just did a sign, didn't he? Yesterday. Yesterday. He fed thousands of people. And they're saying, Oh, you want us to believe in you? Why don't you do a sign? He just did. And they missed it. They're trying to squeeze another meal out of Jesus. That's what's going on here. Their hearts are being exposed. Yeah, you fed us yesterday, but you want us to believe in you now? You got any more food in there? Verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're quoting Nehemiah, which Luke read earlier. So I think what they're saying is when Moses was around, people got bread every day. Remember, God fed the people with manna every morning, except for the Sabbath. They could go out and collect bread, manna that God provided for them. Pastor Malloy is going to preach Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3 next week, which talks about manna. Jesus reminds the people, Moses is not the one who provided for you in the wilderness. Moses is not the giver. God is. He gave food for the people's stomachs every day, but now he's giving another kind of food, spiritual food, That gives eternal life. Verse 32, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What's the bread? Verse 33. For the bread of God is He, it's a person, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What's the bread? What kind of food can we eat and live forever? Him. He's the bread. The people don't understand. This is like the woman at the well, if you remember in chapter four. Jesus says, I can give you living water. And she says, Yes, I'll take it. That way I won't have to come here with my bucket every day. She doesn't realize he's talking about water for her soul. These people don't understand either. They think he's talking about a new kind of manna that won't run out, some loaf that they can fill their bellies with. And so they say in verse 34 Sir, give us this bread always. You did it yesterday. Let's do this every day. You bring the bread, we'll bring the drinks. Yalla. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What your soul needs is a person. He's the bread your soul needs. He's the food your soul needs to feed on. Physical food is a God-ordained picture to help you understand something even greater. Your body needs food, doesn't it, if you're going to have any strength or if you're going to live? God made it that way. God made it that way. When you think about this, God, God didn't make the world and then start figuring out what would be helpful metaphors to describe Jesus. Jesus. He made the world with metaphors for Jesus. You got that? He wanted you to understand something deeper. Just like your body needs food in order to keep going, your soul needs Jesus as its food. If your soul's going to live, he's bread. Eating is also an individual experience. Now, we eat together, don't we? But you can't eat for another person. Every individual in this room has to personally deal with Jesus. Is he your bread? Not is he mine. Not is he your spouse's. Not is he your mom's bread or your dad's bread. Is he yours? Does your soul feed on Jesus? Because he's the only bread for a soul that there is. He's the bread of life. Your soul needs to feed on Jesus more than your body needs lunch and dinner tonight. More than you need all the meals in your life. He's the thing your soul needs. Your stomach has needs. It needs food. It needs drink your soul has needs, they are massive, they are important, they're eternal, and all those needs are filled by Jesus. Now get this, Jesus doesn't simply say that he's going to give you other things that your soul needs. He is the thing your soul needs. He doesn't just give you food for your soul. He is the food for your soul. He's what you need. Now notice something glorious in verse 35. Eternal life here is not just existing forever. That's not how Jesus describes it. It's not simply existing forever. Yes, We will exist forever. But here, it's being satisfied forever. Do you see that in verse 35? Jesus says that if you come to him as the bread your soul must have, you'll never hunger. He's talking about soul hunger. If you believe in him as the food and drink your soul needs, you'll never thirst. You know what soul hunger is, don't you? You know what it's like to have a, a thirsty soul? We all ache inside to be full and satisfied. I know you do. I know you do. And you're not the only one. We all ache inside to be full, to be satisfied. And sometimes we try to fill our soul hunger by filling our stomachs, but it doesn't work. We try to fill up that soul hunger, that ache, that longing, that hole with pleasure, drink, lust, the pursuit of fame or productivity or in relationships, but it doesn't satisfy we all know what it's like to binge on something trying to fill that hunger and then to wake up either literally or figuratively and know it didn't work it's worse than ever because i tried i stuffed all i could in and it's there and it's gnawing and maybe I can try to stuff more in next time. But it doesn't work. Your soul was made to enjoy Jesus. He doesn't just unlock never-ending existence for you. He himself is what your soul was made for. You were made Not just to exist forever with him, but to be happy in him. That hunger you feel, that thirst you feel, it's for him. And it cannot be satisfied apart from him, but it can be satisfied by him. He has glory for your soul to feed on. He has beauty and goodness for your soul to drink. And it's more than enough. The way you do it, the way you eat, how do I eat? How do I get that bread? How do I get that drink? It's by believing. We saw that in verse 29. We see it here in verse 35. It's simply by believing. In this life, you will experience longing in your soul. You'll experience need. You will experience emptiness and hunger, even as a Christian. When Jesus calls himself bread that satisfies our soul hunger, he doesn't mean you take one bite and then you never eat again. He means that when you feel that hunger, you can come to him and he'll satisfy you again and again and again. Sin won't satisfy that longing. Nothing in this world can. Jesus is calling us to come for satisfaction. I know you ache for it. I know you do. And he's calling you to come and be satisfied and keep coming He will fill our hunger. He will quench our soul thirst. That's why the message that we carry is called good news as Christians. The gospel is good news. It's not simply a command that people worship the true God. It is that. But it's an invitation for the nations to be satisfied forever. Jesus is calling you in this chapter to believe. And as you believe truth about him, your soul will be fed. He'll satisfy. And in the age to come, all the obstacles to you feeding on him, this this world is filled with obstacles. Your own sin, your own weaknesses, the fallenness of this world, Satan, they're all getting in the way of you feeding on Jesus. They'll all be gone. And you'll feast on him forever. So come to be satisfied. Come to be filled. Jesus Jesus wants you to do that, by the way. He wants you to say, I am hungry. I want to be satisfied. He says to you, come. Come and feast. You'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. And you'll live forever. So come to him and believe. Father, thank you that you sent your son. Just like you sent manna for the people in the wilderness to fill their stomachs, and just like your son fed the people with five loaves of bread and two fish, you sent a better gift, a better meal. a meal that satisfies the deepest eternal longings of our hungry souls. You sent him. Thank you that he is our bread. He's our bread. And we can feast on him. Today and this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow, feast and be filled all the other pursuits of our life. We just confess it, God. Our week has been filled with other pursuits trying to fill that hunger and quench that thirst, and none of them satisfy. We just confess it to you, God. We know you're a forgiving God. We don't just eat this bread to satisfy our hunger. This bread was broken for us. You're a forgiving God. So forgive us and help us to feast on him by believing. We love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.